Uh, in August, uh, my family went on a great trip, um, and uh, we went to Disney World. It was very hot. We had a great time, and uh, it was my uh, my family. So uh, Cheryl and Juliet were with me, and also Kirsten and Conrad and Rebecca and Sarah were here. That's uh, Kirsten, my sister, and my other sister and her family and my mom and dad. So there's 13 of us who went to Disney World, and it was uh, fantastic. We had a great time. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm kind of thinking everybody would love to go back. Like, I would love to go there and uh, uh, be there for a month if I could be. Um, and we had a fantastic time. And uh, yeah, they're volunteering right now. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to Disney World. And uh, yeah, they're ready to go. Um, something, that was, uh, something that was important for us was that everybody went, right? Like, it wouldn't have been good if one of us would have been missing from this family trip. It was really important that we were all there. And, uh, and yeah, we'd love, to, we'd love to get back to that sort of ideal, happy, happiest place on earth. I know not everybody has the happiest time going to Disney World. We had a pretty happy time though, so it was good. Um, I'd like you to think though, and you might not like Disney World and all of that kind of stuff, but I'd like you to think this morning, what might it be for you? Like if you had an escape or a place, I mean it could even be like your backyard, or it could be like uh, wherever it might be, what would be that place uh, that you would want to go with the people that you love the most and care about the most? What would that be for you? Just try to, to think about that for a minute. And, uh, and I think for me it would be uh, my family at Disney World. That was great. Now God has uh, obviously something way bigger than Disney World or any of the places we can imagine. And the Bible actually starts off with this place. It's Eden. It's this paradise garden where God is there with Adam and Eve, with his people, and they're walking along, and they can just talk to one another and enjoy the garden together. It's paradise. They don't ever have to really work for their food or any of their things. God just provides for them, and there's, you know, they can just eat the fruit, and it's enough nourishment to, for them, and everything's great. It ends up uh, that Adam and Eve do some things, right, that makes it so that they can't stay in Eden, right? They sin, and they end up having to leave the garden. But what God wants to do, basically, is to transform everything to basically bring us back into that garden with him. That, that's where God is going with this. So it's kind of like if we've got our ideal place that we would love to go with the people that we love, that's what God is doing overall. He's got his ideal place where he wanted to be with the people that he created and loved, and now he's going to get us back there, the same way I'd love to go back to Disney World. Or you would love to go to the place that you might have with the people that you love. Now, God is going to do one better. He's not just going to say, well, let's create another Eden and, and bring us back into that Eden. He's actually going to transform where we are now into that garden. So it's actually going to be even better than the first Eden that he created. Because we've also been involved in making this place, this earth, this planet into what, uh, into what it is. So God's going to transform everything so that we've kind of got this Eden going on now. And Jesus talks about this in a different way than a garden. He talks about it as a kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And he's not just meaning heaven in this. He's meaning earth 
being transformed into something that is more beautiful and more amazing than what we can really quite imagine. And God wants you in that kingdom with him. You matter to God as his child. It's the same way that my family needed, we wanted all 13 of us on our trip. God wants a lot more than 13. <laughs> But he wants all of us in that kingdom. It wouldn't be the same without the people that he's chosen to call to the end. And it's important to God that you are there, that you are in. In verse 18 from the Ephesians reading, it talks about this as the hope to which he has called us. In other words, what we're hoping for is this kingdom, this renewed garden where we are God's children more fully than we can really experience now. Ephesians also talks about it as an inheritance. So it's what we hope for and it's an inheritance. When you think about an inheritance, it's what belongs to one is then passed on to the child or the children. God's kingdom is, is not just something that we kind of get to be in and it just kind of belongs to God and we're there, but we inherit it. That God actually gives us the kingdom. It, it is ours as well as it is God's. Which is pretty amazing. I want to look a little bit at some of the phrasing in our passage from Ephesians. Because this passage from Ephesians, I find it's really encouraging. It starts in verse 15. I've heard of the faith you have in the Lord Jesus, and of your love toward all the saints. So the people who are first reading this, they already believe. They already believe in Jesus. They already trust in Jesus as their Lord. So, so they would say, I'm not my own Lord. I'm not in control of my own life. Other things aren't my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I trust in him. I trust in him for my life. I trust in him for everything in. This is what following Jesus is about. It's what being a Christian is. It's giving your life over to Jesus. Acknowledging that your life is actually better in his hands than even in your own hands. So it means that when you make decisions, you're making decisions according to his plan or his schedule or his agenda. Not even your own. I mean, sometimes we feel like our decisions in our lives are even out of our control and out of our own hands and we try to get control of it. Uh, that's actually not necessarily the best solution. For followers of Jesus, what we want to do is not get control of it, but to give control of it over to Jesus. And it's, it's good news for us who feel like our lives are out of control, right? Because we don't have to get control. We need to give it to the Lord. But these people, these readers, these Ephesians who are getting this letter, they already... They already have this. They already trust in Jesus as Lord. They already, and they already love other believers, the, the writer says. They already love the people. You already trust in Jesus and you already love the people. And, and so the, the, the letter goes on. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I, and I can relate to this because I, as a pastor, I get the privilege of hearing about how, how you talk about God and God's activity in your life. You all don't necessarily get that privilege. Most of your conversations in the week probably don't have very much to do with God's activity in the lives of the people you're talking 
And I mean, I, probably the last few weeks aren't a great example because I've been worrying about things like there's a paint going on the walls and stuff like that. But, but as a pastor, I get the privilege to hear about how you are talking about God's activity in your life. And everyone is different, which is so amazing. But I thank God for each of you who I know believes and in Jesus, trusts in Jesus, and I know you love God's people. And you are trying your best to live that out, knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you. I thank God for you. I can relate to this. Okay, so they already trust in Jesus. They already love God's people. And then in verse 17, it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. See, this is fascinating to me. The life of a believer is never complete. It's, and it's not a full life with just trusting and believing in Jesus and loving other people. I mean, that isn't it. That's not the whole thing. Because this prayer would be unnecessary if that's all there was. And this prayer is for a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Jesus. They already trust and believe in Jesus. They already love other people, but he's saying there's still more to know as you come to know Jesus. There is learning and there is progress in the life of faith. A follower, a disciple, is a learner. A learner of Jesus. And then verse 18 goes on. So that, so we're going to pray that you come to know Jesus, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. So I'm going to pray that you come to know Jesus, so that you can know what is the hope to which he has called you, this inheritance. But I just told you what that was, right? I just told you what the inheritance is. I told you it's this garden or this kingdom or this, you know, this thing that God wants to put us into, this transformation of the world. So what more do you need to know? Do you really need to learn more about it? This phrasing, though, gets me. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know. You may know. Do we really know? I can tell you about my family vacation to Disney World, right? But, but you won't really know what it is like unless you actually go to Disney World, right? You won't really know unless you go there. But, but even if you go there, or you've been there, you wouldn't know what it's like to go with my family. <laughs> Good or bad. Now, we could go together. I mean, maybe, okay, so my family goes back again, and let's, you know, who wants to come along with us? We could go together. But even if we were there together, you still wouldn't really know what it's like to be a member of our family in Disney World. Because you don't have the benefit of the years together as a family before being there in order to understand each other's jokes or the looks that we give each other. I mean, you can sort of be on a ride and you sort of look over and, well, this is not kind of lame, you know? And you enjoy it because you both think it's lame. <laughs> and they're whispering about which ride that was. 
And likewise, I couldn't just join you on some vacation or some family get-together or whatever and really know what it is to be part of that. Or why it's so great for you. So this prayer is needed. It, it's for you to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Jesus. And as you come to know Jesus, then it's so that you may know the hope to which he has called you and that you may know the glorious inheritance that you have. In other words, you cannot fully know and understand this hope of returning to the garden or being in the kingdom with God until you start to know Jesus more fully. You can't really know what it means to inherit the kingdom unless you really know the king. And so we need this prayer for ourselves. We need to get to know Jesus so that we can really know what it means to be in the kingdom. And while we can't have the kingdom right now, it's not in its fullness. We can experience it sort of in part, in little glimpses. We can't have it in full, but we can know the king now. So these believers who are first hearing this letter, they already believe in Jesus. They already trusted Jesus. They already love God's people. But knowing Jesus, really knowing Jesus, is a process. And it's a lifelong one. It doesn't end. It's the same way as how I know my wife. Well, I know her better now after 14 years of marriage than I do when we first got married. I hope I will know her better in another 14 years. There's more to know. This is how relationships work, and it's a, see, it's a relationship with Jesus that is the key in all of this. And, and sometimes I think we lose touch with that initial spark from when we first allowed Jesus into our life. You know, where we first allowed Jesus to be Lord for us. And some of us, like myself, grew up in the church. So there wasn't sort of this dramatic thing that happened. It was just sort of this gradual thing. But at some point, it became a little more real to me. And I think we have those moments where it becomes a little more real. And I think we often lose touch with what, what that was like or what that experience was. And sometimes as we think we are getting to know Jesus, we actually go the wrong direction. What we do is we start to get filled up with a sense of obligation to Jesus. Or a sense of guilt with Jesus. You know, of not being able to quite measure up to him. And that could be either uh, with morals or with activity. Like, uh, we need to do more uh, in order to sort of uh, build up our faith in some way. As we get to know Jesus, we can get weighed down by these kinds of things. But this isn't really knowing Jesus. Because knowing Jesus always leads to a greater and deeper knowledge of the hope to which he has called us. It moves us from information about his kingdom toward really knowing his kingdom and seeing how we fit into it as inheritors up. And simply, you matter to God. God wants you in it. And it's not for you to do anything. It's not for you to just, you know, get your act together. God doesn't want you so he can say, well, look, I'm, I've got, you're my project, and I'm going to make you uh, be a better person. 
God just wants you as you. I mean, God actually wants what was at the beginning without a need. There were no expectations. God was the provider. And they would just have a relationship. They were there together. That's where that's God's goal. Just you. Us together. He wants you to come to know him through his son. God wants you to grasp the hope to which he has called you. God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants you to know, really know, what that is. So he sends his spirit to draw us closer to his son. To help us know Jesus, so that with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, we may know what is the hope to which he has called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? Let us give thanks today for the real blessing of knowing our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.